Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. What's up, everybody? You are now tuned in to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre founder of drpiersblog.com, board-certified internist, and host of The Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, your number one podcast for patient advocacy and helping you empower yourself for better health. This week, you are bringing you episode 78, and we're asking the question, who is accountable for your health? Before I want to get into the nitty-gritty and details on how this podcast came about, depending on when you listen to this, especially if you listen to this uh, when it first drops, in a few more days, we have uh, the ending of our August contest, the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry survey, where I ask a few questions, getting your guys' feedback, right, on a podcast that you already love to listen to on the podcast, and how can I make this better? And I want you to make sure you get a chance to finish that, because if you do, this month we're giving away a $100 gift card to the Apple Store and the website, and I will put the website link in the show notes. It's www.drpiersblog.com slash survey100. Just answer those questions. You'll automatically be entered into the contest to win a chance to get a $100 gift card to the Apple App Store. That, that's, that's enough for that service announcement. So we are bringing you episode 78 again. We're talking about who is accountable for your health care and what drove this week's discussion is a conversation I was having with a couple of colleagues of mine, physician colleagues, and they were concerned, right? They were more, I'd say upset, even better, right? They were upset that they felt that their pay was going to be tied into how well a patient does. And the argument was, how can my pay, right? How can my pay be affected by whether my patient decides to take their medication by whether my patient decides to follow up with their doctor, right? Like, why is my pay tied to that? Why is my pay tied to that type of outcome? And for those who may not aware what you may not be, there are a lot of different payment models that are kind of going around, especially in the uh, outpatient medicine world. And one of them is looking at rewarding physicians who have better patient outcomes. So that, that's important. So if I have a thousand patients, a thousand of them, have their blood pressure under control and their blood sugars under control and their cholesterol under control, there's going to be some bonus payments made for those types of physicians. So now their argument is, how can I essentially get penalized, right? How can I essentially not get those bonus payments if my patient decides that they're not going to do everything I told them to do? And it's a very valid question. So that's why I brought it here, right? Again, this is your podcast for patient advocacy. I want to know, like, who should be responsible for something like that, right? Is it on the onus of the patient, right, to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do? Is it on the onus of the physician to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do? Or maybe is it maybe it's the insurance companies, right? Maybe it's the pharmacy companies, right? Like who can we say is the blame? You know, and again, blame is a bad word, right? But who can we say should we point the finger at, right? If something does not go right. And like always, if you want my show notes, head over to drpiersblog.com forward slash LLP078. Or just lunchlearnpod.com and you'll get access to the show notes there. So stay tuned for another great episode. You have a great and blessed day. So we're going to be reading off another five-star review this week. 
The review comes in and says, I love these Lunch and Learn podcasts. Dr. Barry keeps it simple and very informative. I love that he doesn't go over your head with medical jargon. Dr. Barry has me taking a good look at my own health and taking steps to make changes. Again, like always, we love these five-star reviews. Please keep them coming. We will keep announcing them. Like Again, it was something I wanted to change up, so we're going to keep uh, acknowledging that you guys are leaving reviews because, again, if you're taking the time to hit me with five stars and write a comment, I think we should uh, give you the, the props that you deserve. So keep hitting me with those five-star reviews. Keep uh, subscribing to the podcast at all of your favorite uh, outlets where you listen to me on Google Play, Apple Podcasts. It's one thing to listen to it. It's another thing to always subscribe so you can get every new podcast every single week. This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. Hey guys, good afternoon. Dr. Bear here. So this week, right, we're not blaming, right? We're not pointing any fingers, right? We're just asking a general question, right? This is a question that my colleagues wanted to ask the general public. And I figured, let me ask the Lunch and Learn community and try to get some feedback. Who is accountable, right? Who's responsible for your health care? Is it me? Is it you? Right? Is it your insurance company? Is the pharmaceutical company? Like, who's responsible for your healthcare? Right? So, we don't want to make this episode seem like a blame session. We just want to know, like, hey, who can I point to, right, when trouble is arising, right? Who can I point to, right, when things don't go according to plan? So, I want to first of all talk about just accountability in general, right? Especially when we talk about healthcare. And then we'll kind of move on to how we got to this point where we even got to worry about uh, accountability in health care and medicine, right? Which the easiest question is, it's always been something we should have been worried about. But unfortunately, it's been something that we haven't really followed up on until very recently. So when we talk about accountability, especially when we talk about accountability in healthcare, it's become this very big issue, right? And one of the reasons why it's become this very big issue is because now the government and insurance companies who control, you know, how well a patient uh, and a physician uh, interact, right? Uh, they've kind of decided to say, hey, you know what? If you're interacting correctly, then you should be healthier, and if you should be healthier. I want to be able to pay a doctor a little bit better, right? So now you have some doctors who are ready to pump the brakes. Some doctors are ready to say, hey, 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 like, please don't tie how much money you're supposed to give me into how well my patient does. That's not my issue, right? Like, that's where the buck stops, right? Like, me and this patient are good friends until you try to play with my money. And now I got to decide how good of a friend this patient is, right? So when we talk about healthcare, essentially, we're, especially in healthcare accountability, Essentially, we're saying the process and the procedures, how one party kind of justifies and even takes responsibilities for activities, right? That's really accountability. And in healthcare, it's how does one party, whether it be a physician, whether it be your you, the patient, or you, the insurance company, right? Like, like who takes responsibility and who justifies uh, the outcome in, in accord, right? If you have high blood pressure, like who's responsible for making sure when the high blood pressure medication is correct? Who's responsible for making sure that there is no side effects? 
who's responsible for it? Make sure that it actually works, right? Because that's the most important thing. There's no point to give you a medication for a disease if it does not treat said disease, right? Because then it's you're almost like you're taking a sugar pill, right? And we don't want nobody taking sugar pills. We want people to be treated for their diagnosis. So that's that's kind of where we got to at this point. And again, like I said, I was talking to my colleagues and they got a little bit upset, right? They got a little, you know, they, they got a little bit ill-tempered when the the thought was brought up that not really the thought when the discussion was kind of turning to the point that says hey you know what uh, in the future uh, if you don't take care of your patients well you're not going to get as big of a bonus as you should and their reflexive argument was well like why is it on me and not the patient right why why doesn't the patient get like an extra bill if they don't take care of their medication especially if i'm the one prescribing them and i, I know it's correct right and this is a very new concept for us, right? Like being accountable for our patients' actions is a very new concept in in general, right, in healthcare, because the Affordable Care Act and those who may be aware of Affordable Care Act or you may call it Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, um, it really brought to light that one of the biggest uh, pieces that we were missing was saying like, hey, we got all these physicians taking care of all of these patients and we got these insurance companies who are responsible for all of these patients, but no one's really monitoring to make sure it's actually helping, right? And the concern, especially here in the United States, where we know we spend more money per patient than much more civilized and developed countries, right? Like we blow them absolutely out the water, right? So we're spending a hell of a lot more money taking care of patients and we're doing a worse job, right? So someone's got to be like, hey, like we got to change up what we were doing before. So once one of the things with the Affordable Care Act is that it started looking at like, you know what, how well are you actually doing in coordinating care, right? How well are you actually doing and making sure that the outcomes that you're supposed to be measuring are one, evidence-based, and two, actually making a difference, right? Because again, it makes no sense that you're doing everything by the book if doing everything by the book doesn't get you the result, right? makes no sense if you're taking your blood pressure medication and it's the right blood pressure medication per the evidence, but it's not working, right? makes no sense if you're on the right medication to prevent a stroke, right medications to prevent a heart attack, right medications uh, to lower your cholesterol if they aren't actually working, right? So that was that was a, a process that kind of came about once the Affordable Care Act came around because it really started looking at how can we spend less money? This is the government, right? How can we spend less money if we're not even measuring to make sure that they're well taken care of. And we know they're not being well taken And we already answered that question, right? We already know they're not being well taken care of, right? Because more people are dying and we're spending way more money uh, per person than all the other developed nations, right? So something we're doing is, isn't happening, right? So it bears the question, right? Which kind of leads us to, right? Who cares the responsibility? right? Is it the physicians? Is it the insurance company? Is it the patients, right? And again, it leads us into the most obvious point, right? Like, why is it important, right? Because it costs money, right? It costs money to take care of a patient. It costs money to train a physician. It costs money to pay the physician, right? It costs money. And it's so funny, speaking of money, I just read an article uh, this week uh, that talked about hospital CEO pay, and it talked about how the increase over the past decade has been about 50 to 60 percent 
of hospital CEO pay, but the physicians only been about 20%, right? 25%, I believe, 25%. And for nurses, it's only been 3%, right? So that's like, that's how much their pay has risen over this past decade, right? So clearly, right? So clearly you have a system where if you're on the admin aspect of it, you could do fairly well. But if you're, you know, on the trenches, right? If you're the doctors, you're the nurses, right? You're not doing as well as you should, right? So you're not, and now you have this case where all of a sudden they want to look at if your group of patients don't do well, right? If your group of patients don't have their blood pressure controlled and are having more heart attacks and are more sicker and they're in the hospital more, we're going to say, you know what, you're not getting... You're not going to get as big of a bonus as, you know, your physician down the street. And let me tell you what happens, right? Let me tell y'all, especially lunch and lunch, I mean, I want y'all to understand what's going to happen, right, if this trend continues to occur, right? If I've got a thousand patients and I know a hundred of them don't want to take their medications, I know a hundred of them. And for and when I'm, I'm not even asking the reason why they don't want to take medication, right? Part of it could be because they can't afford it, right? Not even asking that. If I know I got 100 patients who just aren't doing well from a measurement standpoint, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to send those 100 patients a letter. Now, again, not me, right? Like, I want to to clarify that I, Dr. Barry Pierre, ain't going to be sending you no letter. But I got a couple of physician colleagues, especially the ones I talked to, who have no problem sending you this letter. They're going to send you this letter and say, hey, you know what? Miss so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so. Uh, it's been great knowing you, but because you're not doing well as far as your blood pressure, because you're not doing well in terms of your uh, heart disease, because you're not doing well in terms of cholesterol, I'm going to have to kick you out of my practice, right? Because if I can keep 900 patients who are going to do well, I'm going to get a bonus at the end of the year, right? I'm going to get bonus because my measurements are better. So what's going to happen is all of the patients who, for a million reasons, right, can't do right, whether it be physician's fault, whether it be the pharmacy's fault, whether it be their own fault, who can't do right, they're going to be stuck looking for physicians who maybe say, you know what, I'm just going to be stuck with y'all. I got a whole bunch of you guys who don't do well, and I don't really care about the bonus, right? So you may get a physician who doesn't care as much because they already understand most of their physicians, right? Most of their patients don't really take care of themselves. So so that's a dilemma that we need to really think about. That's a scenario that we really need to think about because it is going to happen, right? Like, again, I know how physicians work, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because they've been pushed into a corner where their reimbursement, again, I just said that in the past decade, their their pay has gone up like 20%, while they, 20 25%, right? While they watch a CEO's pay go up almost uh, 44 times that much. Like, like, think about that, right? Like, so they're watching someone who did, who's not, who did not go to medical school, who did not do residency. They're watching their pay shoot up almost 44 times in the same amount, right? Which tells us that clearly the admin side looks very favorable versus the one who are actually in the trenches. And nurses are even worse, right? Nurses only 3% in the past decade, right? So salaries are rising, but not for the nurses and definitely not as much for uh, the physicians. And that number, that that 20, 25 percent, those are when we start looking at like the big dog uh, physicians who get paid the most. Right. Orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons. Right. Like those, those those they already get paid the most and still they're not even keeping up with the CEO's pay. So I want to talk about as a 
patient, right? Again, I'm putting myself in the patient's eyes, right? Well, like, what are some issues that tend to cause me not to do well, right? And like, how can I deal with that, right? I think lifestyle is going to be our biggest one, right? Lifestyle is something that we talk about a lot here on the podcast in terms of different lifestyle changes that you can do, right, to improve your outcome. And lifestyle has been attributed to, this is a quote, uh, lifestyle factors, right, have been attributed to six out of the ten top, six out of the top ten worldwide illnesses, right? Six out of ten are attributed to uh, poor lifestyle aspects of it. And that includes tobacco use. You guys know how I feel about the cigarette smoking, right? Like if in 2018, you're still smoking cigarettes, please get help now, right? You should have been got help, but please get help now because I don't know what what is still driving you to want to smoke a cigarette, especially with all the data that we got out here. Alcohol use is a big one as well. Obesity and unsafe sex, right? So those, just those four, right? There's a few more, but just those four big ones help drive six out of the top 10 worldwide diseases, right? Not just like U.S., like worldwide diseases. The top 10 diseases worldwide, six out of the 10 are strongly driven by just lifestyle factors, right? And that's that's on the patient. And and then I think that's that that's a concern because again, when you have a situation where there's something that you can affect, right? You the patient can affect the physician is feeling like, hey, if it's if it if it's their issue, like why does that affect my pay? Right? And then you're gonna run into that scenario where more people are just gonna be like, ah, you know what? Get, get them out of here. Get them out of my practice. I don't want to deal with them because I, I want to save all my money. Now, why aren't physicians kind of doing that in mass, right? Like, why isn't it already happening? Well, I, there's there's a couple couple schools of thought, right? When we when it comes to healthcare, and then just in medicine in general, right? A lot of us go into this thing because we really love taking care of patients. We really love being able to see a patient through and through, right? So some of us have a, a huge moral responsibility to want to take care of our patients, right? And in medicine, right, we're like, we're obligated to treat the sick anyway, right? And society is obligated to take care of the less fortunate, right? So we got this big push to say, you know what? I want to make sure my patients are doing well. And sometimes that's counterproductive, right? Sometimes it goes against our our well wishes. And some may say even our common sense, right? Like, Dr. Barry, like, why would you take care of someone who you know is costing you money, who doesn't want to take care of themselves, quote unquote, and and lose money in the end, right? Why would you do that, right? And for a lot of us, we're just we just feel morally, you know, apt to doing it, right? Morally, we're like, no, we got to do it because we if we don't do it, we, we feel like no one else is going to do it. And like, why can't I say, hey, you know, if it's a lifestyle factor, blame everything on the patient. We got to understand that. I think it's it's unfair, right, that we hold a patient responsible for all of the healthcare related choices, right? Like, that's a, that's a very... That's a very unprofessional approach to it, right? Like, I can't, even if I know it's a lifestyle factor, right? I can't put 100% of the blame on the patient, right? Like, I got to teach them why smoking cigarettes is bad, right? Again, if you listen to this podcast, you know smoking cigarettes is bad. Like, I got to teach them why drinking alcohol in excessive amounts every single weekend 
is a bad thing, right, for your body, right? You may be young, right? You may be able to deal with it now, but you're not going to be able to deal with it as when, when you get older. Now, when I say older, I'm talking about your 30s or 40s, right? I've taken care of a few patients just this past month, just this past month, under the age of 40 uh, with liver failure, right? Talking about we need to, we need to talk about liver transplant, right? And this because they were drinking and drinking and drinking, right? So let me tell you, this is not like this old man disease, right? Your liver can get out of there very quickly, especially for those who like to quote unquote binge drink, right? And by binge drinking, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, they drink every single day. No, no, no. You got some people who drink once a week. The problem is that once a week, they're drinking everybody under the table, and then they start again next week, and then they start again a week after, right? So that's something to to think about, right? When we talk about lifestyle factors, right? Like me, the physician, right, and you, the uh, patient, right? Uh, we're both kind of responsible for teaching each other the best way to communicate with each other, so you can understand like why that's a bad thing, right? Why it's a bad thing to not want to take your medication, right? Why it's a bad thing to drink all the time? Why it's a bad thing to not tell your doctor when the medication is not making you feel good? And I think another thing that's probably just as important when we're talking about putting it all on the patient, right, and why that really can't help, right? There are a lot of diseases, a lot of disease processes, especially those in the top uh, 10 worldwide, that are strongly affected by genetic factors, that are strongly affected by environmental factors, that are strongly affected by socioeconomic factors, right? So regardless of Yes, they're a diabetic, right? And yes, they smoke cigarettes. Right? Yes, they drink alcohol, right? There's so many different factors kind of wrapped around that problem to say, hey, this is 100% on you, the patient, just isn't right, right? To say that, like, no, 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 like, it's all on you, right? Like, it's your fault. It's, it's, it's something that you need to take care of, not me. Like, like, we can't do that, right? So I think those are just some of the 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 risk associated with putting 100% of the onus, right? 100% of the accountability strictly on the patient, right? Because as a physician, right, this is what we sign up for. We sign up to take away some of their burden, right? Whether it be from an educational aspect, right? Whether it be teaching, whether it be training, right? We sign up for this, right? And morally, uh, we feel that we have to do it, right? And that's kind of the position that uh, they have us in. So that's why I feel as a physician, as a patient, you know, I'm on both sides, right? As a physician, as a patient, it has to be a collaborative effort, right? And even in that collaboration, right, we got to include the people who are the big players, right? Like, again, I kind of hinted at it, right? The admin aspect of it, right? This is the insurance companies. This is the pharmaceutical companies, right? Everyone needs to get together and say, what can we do to make sure Miss Jones, right, has a great outcome of her blood pressure, right? What can we do better uh, to make sure Mr. Sanders has a great outcome after this heart attack, right? What can we do and not what can Miss Sanders, Mr. Sanders do, right? What can we, everybody, uh, do to make sure, uh, you know, that's happening, right? Because when we talk about, you know, individual patients, right, we know that, yes, they should be responsible for their own health, right? They should be able to pay for their own health in an ideal world. Uh, but also, remember, as a society, right, as a community, you know, we should be able to provide services when our patients can't afford anything, right? We should be able to provide services when our patients aren't educated enough uh, to the matter at hand, right? Like, that's a responsibility that everyone uh, kind of, you know, holds dear, and, and the importance of these resources, right, whether it be 
health clinics, right? Whether it be nurses, whether it be uh, dietitians, nutrition, like whether it be all of these resources that we know patients need on a day-to-day basis, right? If we can't provide those resources, right? How can I then turn around and say that it's the patient's fault, right? How can I do that, right? But we have this situation at hand where the insurance company wants to say, yeah, you know what? I don't care about all of those factors that you just talked about, Dr. Barry. Um, if your patients do well at the end of the year, I'm going to cut you a check. If they don't do well, you don't get a check, right? And as uh, as the relationship has moved, right, As and I've talked about this before, this doctor-patient relationship, before it used to be a, hey, I want you to jump 10 feet and don't jump, don't stop jumping until I tell you, right? And patients was, you know, jump up to 10 feet and they wouldn't ask any questions because their doctor said so. But this day and age, right, those who may already know, right, this day and age, right, we're not about that life, right? You ask me to jump 10 feet, I'm going to say, doc, why do I need to jump 10 feet? Like, what's the importance of me jumping 10 feet, right? Like, we want to know, right, this is this is a quote-unquote collaborative decision that we're about to have here, right? Like, you're not about to have me jumping 10 feet just to jump 10 feet, right? Like, that's not going to go down like that. So as a doctor and a patient relationship, we again have to come together and say, what can we do to get us better, right? As a, in the physician, right, in the community, right, we talk about, um, I was reading uh, this article, right, that talked about like four different components of accountability, especially in healthcare on the physician side, not the patient side, but on the physician side. And uh, the first, first component was like competent, right? Is your physician actually competent in what they do right like do they actually have the skills do they actually have the knowledge and the values that go into practice on a day-to-day basis right so you're not worried about whether the physician can take care of the patient right because that physician practices on a daily basis the ideals and ethics associated with good patient care, right? So you're not worried about that aspect, right? So that's the first parameter, right? Competence. Uh, Number two is the accessibility of information. Again, when we moved away from that old model of doctor-patient relationship, right? What's occurred, right? And thanks to what we like to call the internet, right? What's occurred is that information has become much more accessible to the patient, right? It has become much more in touch and reach for the patient. So the patient can now look up what is diabetes, right? The patient can now look up what is hypertension, right? The patient can now look up what is high cholesterol. And of course, obviously they can do it on websites like drpiersblog.com, or they can go to their WebMDs of the world, their Mayo Clinics of the world. They can go to all these different websites to do so. But because they can do so, you still need that physician there, right? You still need that health expert. That's what your physician is. You still need that person to come around and say, okay, I saw that you just read this on drpiersblog.com. Let me explain what Dr. Pierre was talking about, right? It's important to understand that, yes, the information is there, but your patients still need someone to educate them and teach them even after they read it. So information accessibility has been another aspect of how the physician right can continue to become more accountable in healthcare. Number three, the awareness, right? Like how often is your physician aware of everything that's going on in regards to what they order, what type of medications they order, when they order it, why they order it, right? Like how aware are they to in that sense? Because what's been occurring 
And this is unfortunate because of the type, and especially because I, I, I take care of patients in the hospital. What occurs is that you'll have your ER physicians, they order a whole bunch of tests. And they'll order a whole bunch of tests because, you know, I don't want to, quote unquote, miss anything. Right. And the reason why they don't want to miss anything is because they know they can get sued very quickly, especially in this day and age where, you know, people are much more quick pull the trigger on suing physician. Right. So you have the physicians who practice in this mode. We call it defensive medicine. Right. So they're willing to order a few more tests, order a few more blood tests, which put more costs on the patient, which put more costs on insurance, which puts most more costs on the government, right? They're willing to do all these things, right, for the fear that they may get sued, right? And as a physician, right, we have to start becoming much more aware that, yes, I'm going to order these tests here. I know I don't need to order a million dollar workup because the the thousand dollar work I'm going to order is going to answer all of the questions and I'm not afraid if I get sued because I can explain away why I didn't order the million dollar workup, right? So that's that's something that we have to be more aware of. In that flip side, the patient has to be aware that, hey, if you come in for a certain diagnosis, don't have me running a million dollars worth of tests just because you want to make sure it's not this weird zebra of a diagnosis, right? Don't make me do that, right? So it's it's twofold, right? You have patients who demand, like, I don't know, I want this test, I want that test. Maybe they see it on TV, maybe their friend got it. And they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead and, you know, charge my insurance. I, I got it, right? And you have physicians who are like, you know what, I don't want to miss nothing, right? Because I don't want to get sued later on, so I'm going to order a million dollar workup, right? So we're, the goal is to try to get away from that. And the, the fourth aspect of being accountable in healthcare, whether it be on the physician side or the patient side, is the gratification associated with it. And I think this is the biggest thing we've talked about on the podcast, uh, physician burnout. And now it's like medical student burnout, right? Soon it's going to be pre-med burnout, right? But we've talked about this burnout aspect. And one of the biggest issues with the burnout is that physicians do not feel that the work that they do is getting any recognition anymore, right? You turn on the TV and you have these politicians are telling the public that the physicians are making all of the money, the physicians are driving up all of the healthcare costs, and they're and these physicians are driving around in their uh, Murcielagos and all these like crazy ridiculous uh, cars that are expensive and wearing their twenty five thousand dollar watches and all of these all of this crazy stuff. Uh, that physicians don't do, right? But the public perception is being made that the physicians are the driving force, right? And clearly you can see when we talk about healthcare costs, right, that that CEO's pay is included in that healthcare cost, right? So if I'm already telling you that a CEO, right, is making 44 times the amount of the nurse, right? Like, why are you blaming the nurse, right? If I'm telling you that the CEO is making 25 times the amount of the physician, right? Like, why are you blaming the physician, right? This, why are we not blaming the CEOs of these healthcare companies or these insurance companies and these hospitals? Like, they're the ones who t- getting all the money because they handle it from an administrative standpoint, right? They're the getting all the money, not the physicians, not the ones who are in the workforce. So you have physicians on a consistent basis seeing the, the value that they thought was in medicine go down, right? Again, for, for those who know, to get to be a physician, right, you got to go to, you got to do your undergrad, right, four years, five years, however long that take you. 
Then you got to do medical school for another four years. And then you got to do a residency for three years minimum. Some have to do a residency for seven years, eight years, right? So you got to do all of this work here. And at the end, you have someone who may have gotten their MBA. And they're making, you know, that much more money than you. You're like, what, what is going on here? And then you have patients who want to sue you. Then you have hospital administration who say, hey, Dr. Pierre, you're ordering too much tests. Get out of here. Then you have insurance companies that say, hey, Dr. Pierre, I don't like what you ordered. I'm not approving that. Like, you have all of these different avenues of people just not being appreciative of the work you do. So physicians are seeing less and less gratitude associated with their job, right? And they're, because they're seeing less and less gratitude, they feel like they don't have to be accountable. So that last aspect and probably the most important aspect of accountability is the gratification associated with being accountable. Right. Like if I take care of a thousand patients and a thousand patients do well and a thousand patients have their blood pressure controlled and their blood sugar controlled, like let me know I'm doing a good job. Right. But if I'm taking care of a thousand patients and only 900 of them do well, don't make it don't penalize me. Right. Because I couldn't get that last hundred. Right. Say, hey, we recognize that uh, you got 900 uh, too well what can we do to make sure that it's a thousand next year right like that should be the mindset and the process associated with uh, the the gratitude and the accountability associated with it right uh, not this like oh you didn't do well enough like sorry and that and that's what's occurred right so and I, I think this is important right especially when we talk about this accountability right when we say who's accountable for your health care everybody is right but unfortunately not everyone's getting it penalized and I think that's the transition that we need to make, right? We need to be very vocal. And again, I got a lot of physician friends who are very vocal about this, right? We need to be very vocal on saying like, hey, this is a team issue, right? This ain't just a me issue. So I shouldn't be getting all of the blame for it. So again, I don't want to tuck your head off again, uh, a little bit past 30 minutes here. Uh, but again, that's the, that's the issue. That's the question, right? Like who's responsible for your health, right? And if you listen to Dr. Barry, I think everybody's responsible, right? In fact, I don't think I know. I know everybody's responsible, right? The patient's responsible, the physician's responsible, that pharmaceutical company, they're responsible, right? Your insurance company with those high deductibles, they're responsible. Everybody's responsible for your government, right? Again, we can't leave out the government. If your government doesn't put in the health clinics that may be needed, if they don't put in the subsidies that may be needed to get your cheaper medications, if they don't do those things there, you know, they're, they're going to run into some issues as well too, right? So leave that school for thought. You guys have a great and blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is. And if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes, always head over to lunchlearnpod.com. That is lunch learn pod all in one word dot com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode but especially especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye